Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, this will do it for our Summer League Prospect Review. If you're a subscriber, of course, you got all 30 teams. You can go back uh, and listen to that. For those of you on the free pod, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this look at the Summer League Prospects uh, as well. Let us speak now of the Boston Celtics Summer League team. Who do we need to talk about with them? So the Celtics didn't have as much in the rookie class. We'll talk, we'll talk about their second round pick. It was more for me about the guys that they got in the 2020 draft getting another opportunity and um the one who was I, I would argue overall was the most productive was Peyton Pritchard Pritchard 17 points eight and a half assists almost two steals a game and he definitely played well like I, I don't want to I don't want to say anything other than that he was was productive was really efficient made a completely ridiculous 47 percent of his threes at the same time I don't think Pritchard fundamentally changed the way I think about him as an NBA player player i didn't go oh my god this is a definite starter i you know there's something there that wasn't there before it made me more confident that he can be a backup that he can be a solid backup maybe in a, you know above average getting into that you know maybe into that fringe starter range but he did really well but i don't think he fundamentally changed that for me well the thing that had me so excited at the start i didn't watch a, a ton of celtics live i had to go back to the film for them was the 32 assists in four games i was like wow that's he is not really known for his passing he's kind of more deemed a combo guard coming out of college and he can dribble and he can shoot but passing he's never had great passing vision so yeah let's check out these assists um yeah i thought that that number was a little misleading 13 of them came in transition teammates shot it really really well off of his passes he had a couple of plays where he got into the teeth of the defense and kicked out through a pretty obvious pass to a shooter or where when he was running hot with his shooting gravity like one game against the magic they double teamed him at the top of the key hit the roll man for an ease one wide open underneath for a dunk but yeah you didn't see anything and i didn't watch every single assist but i probably watched half of them to where i was like oh this is like great vision here i was making the right play in transition you know maybe he didn't have anything you would cross the face of the defense leave it for a shooter a lot of these assists where i think the summer league scoring might be a little more liberal on that given the overall dearth of assists in summer league uh you know of the dearth of actual assists where you know he threw it to a guy in the wing and he would take a couple of dribbles and, and lay it in you know it wasn't really some great pass or anything like that so like you i wouldn't say that this changes my view of him certainly did everything that he needed to uh, obviously in a conference that includes the brooklyn nets he's going to need to get better defensively he might not be able to do that to go against you know james harden or a Kyrie irving that might just be beyond what he's physically capable of doing staying on the floor defensively but he's going to make shots and you know he can even get to a few of his shots off the dribble 
interesting that he also played with Carson Edwards who it was kind of a similar player drafted in a similar similar range a couple of years ago as Pritchard what did you think of his summer league performance I, I thought that Carson Edwards the the question has long been he's he's you know he's small but he also can ha, has a little bit of he creates separation so that I think that's that's good um but it, for me it's for Edwards it's always been will the shot go in and unfortunately this was another sample where the shot did not go in he took seven threes a game and made 29 percent of them and I don't think his you know his shot is broken or anything silly like that but it and this will come up with another player it's just it's hard to make the whole puzzle work without that so I, I think that there's a, a, a I I like him in a guard rotation like as a as like a backup that you can go to I think that there's more for Edwards to explore there's more that he can do but I'm not all the way there yet well, this is now, it's been two years for Edwards. And yeah. 23 years old, you mentioned the shooting. He is a 30% three-point shooter at the NBA level on 139 attempts. And in the G League, he is a 28% career shooter. Didn't play much last year, but he, he had 118 attempts in 13 games. And he made 28% of those. So like you, I, I was excited about his ability to defend on the perimeter and he actually looks to have improved his off the dribble game it was able to create separation off the dribble had a, a nice like tight spin move in transition that i really liked it was able to get on top of the rim really looked like if the ball went in for him he could be a player and it just never has it's very frustrating because uh, it, it certainly did for him in college yeah it definitely did and that's what part of why edwards went where he did in the draft um let's jump to aaron neesmith neesmith you know we wondered about where where his place was going to be in the boston rotation and he benefits from something you know there are there are players that always do this in one direction or the other where i was in the building watching intently for his absolute best performance of summer league he had 19 points in the first half against the denver nuggets he had a couple of really nice drives hit a bunch of shots and overall neesmith was very productive 17 points a game six rebounds 60% true shooting on pretty high usage. And so like, I, I still like, I, I, I like him. Um, I do think though, that I have to caution myself. That's like, I saw the best stretch. And the, the interesting kind of part of it for me was that he did do a little bit with the ball in his hands. And I thought he actually had a, a nice drive where he crossed up Zeke Naji. but generally speaking, he was hitting some catch and shoot shots and then he was making some tough shots. And so if, as we talk about a lot with young guys, if he can consistently make tough shots, then that can work out well. But if it's, you know making a let 10 to 22 on jump shots off the dribble and that's really more like six or seven of 22 then the small sample size comes in a little bit larger yeah you know i thought neesmith came on towards the end of the year where he was pretty tentative offensively starting off to remember of course uh, that he his last college season was ended with i think it was a foot injury so he hadn't played in some time by the time he was drafted i think it took him some time to get his legs underneath him get used to the speed of the nba game and i thought just the way he looked out there as you mentioned you saw uh, that good stretch but I, I thought he was taking more difficult shots on catch and shoots movement jumpers uh, where you're starting to think hey maybe this guy can be a threat here not just as a spot-up guy who can defend and uh but who might actually be a guy that the defense is going to have to account for offensively and yeah the dribble into a two-point jump shot 
yeah that looked okay uh the off the dribble stuff trying to get to the rim and pick and roll yeah that's that's i don't think that's really something that he has a ton of athleticism to do you know maybe he can get to some long twos late in the shot clock or something like that and neesmith competes out there as well so i thought he he was a guy who is you know it wasn't absolutely a dominating performance but he's continuing to add his proficiency as a shooter and appears to be on an upward trajectory romeo langford was the 14th pick back in 2019 has had a injury filled star crossed tenure so far for the Celtics and I thought he did a nice job making things happen in transition like he, he and that's and that's a big part of why Langford was efficient in summer league the half court game still a work in progress did hit some threes um so I, I think there was more positive there he just hasn't had enough of that good film yet and there was some definitely some good stuff here but I would be more comfortable giving Neesmith, based on what we saw here and a little bit on what we've seen before, I'd be more comfortable giving Neesmith regular rotation minutes than Langford as of now, though both of them have the potential to be more than we've seen. Yeah, only three games, 77 minutes for Langford was five out of 13 from three. You mentioned that attacking in transition is where he looked good. Uh, Athletically, I thought he looked pretty good. It got up for one pretty huge dunk in transition in a scramble situation he tried to do some on the ball stuff uh, they let him like bring the ball up a few times that didn't go too well he doesn't look like he has the type of handle for that he was getting pressured up was dribbling defensively uh when he attacked in pick and roll it, it just it didn't really seem to particularly go anywhere so again that's not what they need him to do they need him to be a supporting player he's flashed defensively at the nba level uh, and he was more aggressive shooting the ball it took a couple off the dribble he looks to have kind of tightened up the form on his release compacted it maybe would be a, a better way of saying that because he had kind of a longer release from behind his head and of course he's dealt with all these thumb issues he was under 30 percent from three in college so this is a not discouraging performance for Langford, but didn't do anything to really wow you either anybody else on the celtics um and the 45th pick uh joan uh Bergeron was also was also on their team and so was Jan madar any thoughts on either of them yeah no uh Bigarin, he had a couple of nice drives uh, but really struggled to be efficient overall he is six five he's got a seven foot wingspan as kind of just a, a two three wing player uh, but really wasn't able to find a niche offensively operated almost entirely as a support player and yet was pretty inefficient whether it was on drives off of spot ups uh, or shooting the ball but a, a guy who has nba size uh, and that's why he's been uh, drafted to develop okay let's go to the atlanta hawks no no um, uh no bruno fernando i mean you could talk about bruno fernando if you want to talk about it he played he played 18 <laughs> minutes a game he was bruno fernando <laughs> No, he was Bruno Fernando. Let's move on here. He was actually, he played well as as he will. And still someone who, we talked about him in the trade, I think has... Uh, not a guy who's going to show a lot in this setting and but you know has like kind of a nascent three ball he took a few of those and you know maybe he can move his feet as a switch defender as an undersized center so a, a guy who has a skill set that in theory could translate you know there's a feeling that maybe wonder why he's like still on the roster and that maybe they can do better in that slot but some he's is he guaranteed for this year i think he is right yeah so that's yeah part he of why is was in that i mean trade. and and the celtics right now as we're recording this they have have 15 guaranteed fully guaranteed spots on roster and then jabari parker but then they so i think that we'll, we'll see and they've already used their uh, mid-level on Schroeder, so it might be that he can get that last spot it might be that they cut him or trade him or something you know to, actually trading is a lot yeah. more likely because then you don't have to pay 
the the tax on Bruno Fernando's money. But what we'll what to keep an eye on how Brad Stevens wants to manage this? Uh, let's go to let's go to the Atlanta Hawks, and I was excited to see them because they had two draft picks from the twenty one draft that I I didn't watch film on, but that I had heard a lot about, and that's Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper. We'll start with Johnson, the twentieth pick in the draft, and I was I, I the way I described it is there's definitely something there. Like he the physical tools are impressive. He played with some real energy, and I mean, I mean that was and it was the shot was generally going in. I mean with with Jalen Johnson, it was more like he had efficiency without volume. He was five of 12 on threes and made 82% of his free throws, but it was on 11 total in the four games he played. But there was a, a lot there that I really liked for him. Yeah, it, that starts obviously with the physical profile. Really a modern combo forward size, really almost a modern four size. He even played him a, a fair amount at the five and absolutely devastating using that physical profile in transition 12 of 14 as a shooting transition did have some turnovers but uh, you know he was doing a lot of grab and go pushing the ball that's how he got some of his free throw attempts I mean he would just get on top of the rim and finish with authority he definitely is a guy who if he grab and goes like you got a problem like you need to load to him uh, or he's going to dunk it on your head unless you have your big man back so that was the first thing that that stuck out about him and his shooting was not something that had been particularly impressive also there were some character red flags on him just from having left duke and having this itinerant journey through many a high school so certainly there are some concerns there i bet that was a big part of why he fell to 20 as well but you know certainly has the physical profile of a top 10 perhaps even a top five sort of pick and so especially if he can play as a small ball center as well you know add that and uh, maybe some switching you know he's not the quickest mover laterally he did have five blocks in four games uh which was decent uh, johnson he also fit the and this happens a lot for young guys in summer league and i would say particularly after the weird year that some of these guys especially jalen johnson had he tried to do too much on defense where he was just like oh i can be in the passing lanes i can do something there instead of just staying with this guy and kind of functioning within the flow but jalen johnson you know like he's he's really young you're gonna you're gonna sort that out like he's 19 now he'll turn 20 this will be his age 20 season um, his rookie year and also though extremely productive 19 points nine and a half rebounds couple assists as well and I I think he will he will fit in you know like I, I don't know that you're gonna that Nate McMillan wants to trust him with like regular you know like high-end minutes on a on a team that's trying to do stuff this year but can give him opportunities and the Hawks having players that can give him the ball I think is going to be very good for Johnson in the early going and he's going to need to find his footing defensively and having him with Nate McMillan could actually be a really good thing because if he is doing some of that too much stuff then i think mcmillan won't want to play him and so then hopefully that motivates him sometimes that leads to guys shutting off but we'll see but i thought he played with good intensity and then um, the other guy well, well, oh, quick, quickly one last thing on johnson he did try to post up a little bit and again you know, given the fact that he's not doesn't have a reputation as a great shooter he, he really he favored a right shoulder turnaround in the post he made one on on the left baseline that looked pretty good but uh other times he went to it too much on the right block it wasn't as effective there and you know didn't really quite have that i'm gonna just mash you approach in the post necessarily though he's largely was doing it against relatively light-sized guys you know i didn't really see him posting up as much uh, against guards but yeah let's get to uh sharif cooper uh, another exciting pick uh 48 he's gonna be on a two-way right correct he's gonna be on a two-way it fell further in the draft than people expected out of auburn and what i had heard about cooper was that he was a very talented passer and i we, we definitely saw that cooper 
15 points, 7.2 assists, and five turnovers. But when I, like, for the parts that I saw, I thought a fair amount of the turnovers were him doing things right and just the ball bouncing off guys' hands or a little bit. Like, it was, I would say some of those turnovers, as with everybody, are earned. But I, I would say a portion of them are the right kind of turnovers is the way that I would describe it. And the big, there are two big questions for me with Cooper. So one is his size. I mean, I looked at him. I, I think I might have been with Mike Schmitz a little bit. Or I was talking with him. I'm like, holy crap, he's small. Like, he's Cooper's lifted listed at six feet and i mean maybe he's six feet in shoes <laughs> like i mean his i didn't get this i wasn't at the same level as him but he looked like maybe around my height maybe a little shorter than me and that's that's not that's not yeah. normally nba uh, player height. cooper cooper did not do the measurements at, at the nba combine yeah. and uh perhaps that was why yeah and he and then the other one is can he kind of create the separation that you often need to generate the response to make those passes and I thought that was a little bit of a mixed bag that's part of why Cooper's passing and transition popped more for me but he also like he did a lot of stuff through small windows which was really impressive so that part of it I'm less I'm less enthusiastic about I mean he wasn't efficient as a pick and roll scorer he only had eight points on 20 possessions there though the numbers with assists as you would expect with Sharif look better so I I think that he's a, a fun to have in a rotation. Getting him on a two-way is very fortunate for the Hawks because that means they don't have to, you know, if it ends up being that he's not quite there, then you're not, you don't have to burn a roster spot on it. But I, I, but I like, I like Cooper. I really want him to succeed. Yeah, Cooper had one game. I think it was against the Pacers where he went crazy from three. He had like five threes. Shoots like this set shot where he kind of leans to his left and. That actually looked good. The other games he didn't hit as many. He did hit the game-winning three in the corner off an offensive rebound uh, that I think. Was, oh, that was crazy. Uh, and then he, uh, you know, he plays with some flair. He had some things to say to the Pacers bench after that. Uh, but it, like you, I wasn't as impressed by him athletically as I hoped to be. You know, I was hoping he might be like an Isaiah Thomas level of athlete, the lefty Isaiah Thomas level of athlete. And, you know, he doesn't have that type of water bug ability, you know, didn't, wasn't really kind of got lost among the trees, wasn't able to find a, a way to get shots up around the basket. That's something that might be able to change a, a little bit. He had to go a lot in isolation for this. So his jumper looked a little better than advertised, but still this set shot that he takes leaning to his left, you know, I'm not really sure about that. So I would actually say, you know, he was given the starting point guard reins and plenty of rope, but you know, he didn't get to the foul line at all either. You mentioned the turnovers, which are also massive in college. That that doesn't concern me as much. And, you know, he is a, a very solid passer, but I, I'm concerned that he's not going to be enough of a scoring threat at any level based on this and based on the fact that he wasn't able to really look like a great athlete out there. So it was, a, given what I had heard about Cooper and the idea that he had been way underdrafted, I was slightly disappointed as far as like what I had ex been told to expect from him. That's not his fault. He, he didn't tell me that, but uh, you know, he, he didn't particularly pop for me. Yeah, I'm most mostly in agreement there. Uh, the other guy to talk about is Skylar Mays. Mays was the 50th pick for the Hawks in 2020, was on a two-way. I believe he got a restricted, he got a qualifying offer for another two-way. I'm guessing that's going to be where he ends up. And Mays... I thought he was a great reflection of something that you and I see a lot in Summer League, which is the difference that one year in the NBA makes. So Mays knew what he was doing, seemed like the game was slower for him than for the rookies, both on the Hawks and everywhere else. And that led to him being being productive, eight, 19 points, four assists. But I still wonder with Mays, like, I, I think he's I think he's a capable player, but I wonder like what his calling card is and what he what he does that it basically forces a coach to play him in a rotation. And I 
I think that can come. I think that he has physical talent. I think that he can can do like he's kind of one of those not jack of all trades, but jack of a few trades, master of none. And I wonder how that fits in with the Hawks, who have plenty of good players. Yeah, Mays has pretty decent size for a combo guard at, at yeah. about six four, and you know he played some point guard last year with all the injuries they had. He was a four year man at LSU uh as a good frame as well 66 over two uh, 66 wingspan sorry and, and over 200 pounds uh and he could shoot it reasonably well he has a decently high skill level not a, an elite athlete but I, I actually kind of like Mays okay I, I think he I do too could, I just, don't, I just a, don't know what he I just don't know what he does like where, where he's where it's like oh you have to play him because he does this like yeah, that's well I think he could be adequate as a, a point guard I thought he made good decisions he was effective as a pick and roll scorer and, and he could shoot it a little bit uh, off the dribble or, or even off the ball a little bit so I, I think he could be someone who could evolve into a, a totally decent backup point guard uh and maybe even be able to play a little bit of two for you uh, eventually certainly not you know some dominating summer league or anything but uh, you know I, I think he just he, he looks like someone that uh, can be a steady player for you uh, on both ends we can move anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us unless there's somebody else you want to talk about for them uh to the dallas mavericks and the mavericks boring they were a summer league team we weren't particularly excited about and that was even before josh green the 18th pick in 2020 didn't play in summer league because he was i, I would have really up. liked to see jo- josh yes, green same play here. actually uh but you know so he was on the Australian bronze medal team. Uh, he was in Vegas, but he didn't play for them. I mean, I, I totally get that. We talked about Usman Garuba and that that he had done he had done both. Um, so instead, the the only player that we really needed to kind of I guess pay attention to was Tyrell Terry. He was the thirty first pick in twenty twenty, and Terry. I mean, it was good that he good that he hit his threes to be sure. Um, but the like the idea of okay is he going to be able to create good shots for himself and others i wasn't super thrilled about that and even terry i mean like he only played in two games so like these the the relevant sample size of player minutes for the mavericks was just shockingly low well and they got completely housed by the sixers in the oh my god game. and terry one of the concerns about him coming out of stanford you know he's supposed to be a good shooter not necessarily a point guard but you know someone who can light it up from the outside but he's really thin i think defensively uh he got completely lit up by tyrese maxey who we'll talk about later uh, and 
Just didn't see a lot to like about him. I mean, he really just wasn't heard from at all last year, despite all the COVID issues that they had. I mean, it's not looking like much of a draft for the Mavs with number 31, Terry, and Tyler Bay at 36, who's already not even on the team anymore and played for the Bulls Summer League team and didn't do much. So don't have a ton else to say about Terry. I think we can move on to the Denver Nuggets here. Well, I'll just say briefly, yeah. um, Eugene uh, Amori, I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name, sorry. Uh, forward, uh, he played he played well for the Mavs, 15 points um five rebounds and he got one of their two-way slots him and uh, nate hinton will be the mavericks two two-way players at least at the start of the year we can move on to denver and another player that you and i had heard a lot about but we're not previously able to watch film on was bones highland and he is a lot of fun he is as advertised in that respect at the very at the very minimum yes yeah, seth uh, has been banging the drum uh, about bones highland and you know, it has some lou williams-esque qualities as like a very thin guy who drives the basket a little bit more length and size than lou williams has but you know definitely a pure score and uh also i mean obviously comparing him to two, these two guys i'm not saying he's going to be this good but just as far as what stood out a little bit about his game you know he's got like a very aggressive three-pointer not the highest release but can create some space with a step back not quite as much as Jalen Green creates, but it's somewhat of a similar release to Jalen Green. Uh, and Highland also showed more as a passer than expected uh, with 19 assists in four games. Uh, had a couple of games where he really got hot uh, shooting the ball from three, uh, driving to the basket. He's able to accentuate contact uh, with that skinny frame. Does a pretty good job uh, of that. Wasn't able to be effective attacking in pick and roll from the top of the key as much he was only 10 points on 20 possessions there and was able to get to the basket a little bit but mostly it's going to be a long two for him in any sort of a, a pick and roll circumstance sometimes if it's a three then maybe it looks a little bit better but uh, you know i thought he looked better attacking from the wing off of an iverson cut or a ball reversal or, or a, a drag screen in transition uh, he also had his big game against that terrible Mavs team. But the one thing I said about the Nuggets was with Jamal Murray out to start the year, and who knows for how long, that they really needed another score in the backcourt. And I thought they actually should have gone after Lou Williams. And I think that Bones Highland, there's a possibility that at least on some nights, he might be able to fill that role if he gets hot. Yeah, and Bones, he's he's only 20 now. He'll turn 21 before the start of next season. And I, I'm intrigued by where his game can go. I do not expect expect for him to go nine of 12 extended proportions on catch and shoot shots for the rest of his career but no that also can work that also can work well playing alongside Jokic like you there there are different archetypes of players that work with Jokic you can have a point guard sized dude who can who can do that I think it can work really well and yeah I, I thought he I thought he was fun we'll, we'll see where his his defense goes I mean that's going to be an important question just in terms yeah. of can he's, he he's quite thin uh as the yes, name implies quite quite thin and I think that that, you know, if we're talking about Highland being in a playoff rotation, that will eventually be a concern. But first, it's can he play? And I think the answer to the question of can he play is yes. And the next most important young nugget was Zeke Naji, Naji, the 22nd pick in 2020, and somebody that we had talked about as a potential backup center for the Nuggets as soon as this year. I mean, and the offensive game wasn't wasn't really there. Um, uh, oh, oh the is that what you is that how you're going to describe uh, shooting 19 percent from the field, seven out of 36 in four games, and 11 uh, percent from three? It, not really. Yes. There. 
not really there. Not really there. Um, uh, t- he, he did have two assists, though. <laughs> but uh, so let's start with the defense. What do you think of him defensively? You know, the, the idea of Najee, and, and again, it's tough to see uh, for bigs uh, at this level. The idea for him, you see, he's playing alongside Bull Bull uh, as the two bigs uh, a lot of the time, is that he could do some switching. You know, he didn't see too much of that, uh, you know, to really change my uh, opinion, where I thought he was able to show some glimpses as of, of effectiveness at the NBA level. Playing in a more conventional style, though, uh, only had two block shots, didn't really see many help plays from him. Uh, although, I, to be candid, I did more rewatching of film from them, which is more just individual player stuff. So you don't get to see, I, I didn't get to see as much of the Nuggets uh, in uh, overall team play, which is, we don't, if we didn't see it live, it's just. Yeah, it's a lot we, harder. We can't, to like. Yeah, you can't get an idea of the defense without watching full games. So so I'm not going to give you a huge opinion uh, on that. But, you know, looking at his jump shot, he was kind of shooting more of like, I, I thought, a set shot last year. And he seems to be trying to transition into a jump shot. His feet are going forward a lot. But he's kind of shooting it on the way down and, and just didn't really look particularly comfortable. I think he was trying to speed up his release a little bit, maybe. But it just didn't look to have the same shot that he had before. And I'm not sure if that's like kind of a work in progress for him right now or, or what that is. If any other Nuggets watchers had that same observation, I'd be interested to know that. Maybe I'll talk about it with Morris uh, on the preview. Uh, um, uh, so obviously not a successful summer league uh, for Najee. Yeah, I, I'm not super concerned just because about the offense because we've we've seen him do better in other circumstances which i think are more more calibrated to to what we're expecting for Najee moving forward the other guy to talk about for them uh, is Ter- Tarek black he had uh, five fouls uh summer league legend but, but but he did it in 48 minutes he's he's really matured his game is matured um so the other guy we should discuss is bull bull the 14th pick in 19 and i i, I no, think no, 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 44th pick 40 sorry 14th pick in the second round yeah yeah you're right. Um, I think of him as like in, in many ways as a perfect summer league player because he is just so entertaining on both ends of the floor. Like there was a, a moment in the boss in the Boston game. So the Nuggets played the Celtics. Uh, I, that was the game when Neesmith went crazy. Bull Bull went behind the back and transitioned twice in the same half. It was like that was delightful. He blocked a bunch of shots. He hit his threes in this. But my my fundamental question slash concern about Bull Bull has basically always been what the hell is he on a, on a good team and as productive I mean 22 points seven rebounds a game as productive as he was I still don't understand what the hell he is on a good team I thought this was a step forward for him agreed um and more so defensively actually you know I did I did lock in a little bit more on his defensive film and I thought he showed a little bit better of an understanding of what he was going to do in a switch and what that was was lay really really far off the guy now against NBA talent I'm not sure if that's going to work but he is so long so ridiculously long and you're watching film with some of his blocks like he blocks shots in a way that you just don't see like where guys it looks like they have all kinds of room and then he'll just like bat the guy's shot out of the air not even getting that far off the ground or like yeah it's it's not like miles turner or robert williams who sometimes surprise guys because they're longer than you think it's like um what is that guy is it dalsim the the street fighter who just like his arm just extends and just appears out of nowhere (laughs) yeah i mean he'll just like you know sort of like wind his arm up while the guy's jumper is 
it's in the air and just like swat it somehow. I mean, it's re- his timing is wonderful, and obviously he's got that crazy seven nine wingspan, you know, equal to basically the largest that we've seen. I'm not sure what like George Murasans was or anything, but you know, he and Gobert and, and uh, Bamba are, are tied for basically the longest. Uh, I might be, yeah, I can't remember whether it's seven seven or seven nine. Uh, but uh, you know, super long wingspan, obviously. But he was able to move his feet well enough to kind of stay in front of guys a little bit. Uh, and then offensively, you know, he still remains a work in progress finishing around the rim and he really is more of a 3-4 on offense he wants to dribble a lot he worked mostly uh, out of isolation uh, and in the post and you know he's not going to back anybody down but he can kind of zigzag back and forth uh, and then get to a turnaround jumper he got fouled a ton 31 free throw attempts in 80 minutes uh, over three games which was was pretty nasty only two assists he he was a supposed to be a little bit better passer uh, than this uh, at times um you know shot it well from three also you know a lot of it was kind of isoing in the mid-range and you know if he goes up against like a good wing nba quality wing guarding him who's gonna get underneath him you know kind of chris apps porzingis the same way he is on offense but you know bull uh he'll kind of turn he uh shoots it off of his shoulder almost behind his head his release isn't the highest um so i he's certainly a very unconventional offensive player uh and a very unconventional defensive player as well and you hope that he could be a center and you know we didn't really see him trying to guard against like good post-up threats who are going to go right through him or anything like that uh you know can he contain those guys with his length or is he just going to get ducked in so badly that he just can't deal with it but uh, you know this is uh, bull bull was really just wasn't effective at all last year again for a Nuggets team that at time really needed some production and so well, I well, so I have a theory is, I have a theory for yeah, him yeah I think of Bull Bull as a bizarro Boban in the sense that they have very different physical tools where he can be very effective against specific opposition and if you if Mike Malone picks his spots I think that Bull Bull can be a good part of their rotation but there are going to be certain matchups where he just gets housed and probably try to avoid those. So having Bulbul with Najee and with Jokic, who has been, thankfully, hopefully, continue knock on wood and Iron Man, I think there's a way to make that work. Yeah, and it, this is just a step forward that he needed to take uh, uh, just to be effective in, in a basketball game against decent opposition. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that you know, if he's going to really be effective at the NBA level, it's... It, as a you know some score who's coming off screens at the three-point line like yeah that's kind of more of a novelty he still has to just get better at some of the nuts and bolts whether that's shooting a spot up three or being able to just finish around the rim uh, and obviously protecting the rim you know i thought it was telling that none of his block shots came as just conventional rim protection coming over verticality type of plays it's all this like crazy on ball get the guy in the air and a in a way that no one else would ever block the shot but you know he just he, he's got to figure out the nuts and bolts of, of his game but just to even like find a way to be better defensively in summer league was a step forward for him we can move to the los angeles lakers and the lakers partially because of the picks they sent out in anthony davis and everything else and also partially just due to the fact that the guys that they have on two ways only yeah. played 20 minutes a game i they mean they, really... yeah they had the 22nd pick obviously which which became isaiah jackson and and yeah. moved that in the uh in the westbrook deal so uh joel yai out of gonzaga got a two-way highly regarded was surprised that he didn't get drafted I, I so i admittedly didn't focus a ton on the lakers because not only is it the situation where they don't have a lot of guys to focus on but then when you think about their talent level relative to other teams it also means that you're getting a really tough sample we talked about this a little bit with tyrell terry so a yai 
Hawaii only played 20 minutes a game, didn't make, didn't take, didn't make many threes. Um, Mac McClung was another highly regarded um, undrafted guy. He he really struggled from the field. And then Austin Reeves, I would say, in some ways was the most was the most interesting of those guys. He's their other two way player. Yeah, even Reeves though really struggled to shoot the ball. I, I did see him play in the Sacramento Summer League, and he, he's a smart player. He took a charge that that I really liked it had some nice passes along the baseline it had a, a nice alley-oop in a tight window so he's a good passer he, if it's going to work for him it's going to be as this kind of grievous Vasquez Ty Jerome sort of bigger point guard who, who struggles athletically but can shoot and pass some yeah and Reeves was a four-year player at Oklahoma so he's already he's already 23 um but yeah we'll, we'll see we we'll see if he can make it work having I like I fully support the idea of having a point guard with one of your two-way spots because there are times that you need that even though the Lakers have more ball handlers than most man I just love American Giant just an amazing clothing company I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then I get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anything else on them that you want to note or do you want to move on to the minnesota timberwolves yeah the wolves uh the two guys really played uh for them they also brought in nathan knight uh on a two-way uh, as well uh don't think we're going to talk about him too much so let's focus on Jaden mcdaniels and Jalen noel mcdaniels i thought it was interesting we've seen so many of these guys and particularly given what mcdaniels was coming up through the high school ranks and even in college that the approach that a lot of these teams go for is all right let's let this guy explore the studio space let's let him work off a pick and roll some more do some more stuff with the ball try to create that wasn't really the approach whether that was mcdaniels choice or the way it worked out with the players on the floor or a conscious decision by the wolves organization they kind of had mcdaniels in the same offensive role that he's going to be in for the big squad where he's probably going to be in competition to start for them at the four position yeah and so it wasn't a very ball dominant time mcdaniels did take a few shots off the dribble it was more you know spotting up getting getting the ball in those circumstances running the floor hard in transition where mcdaniels was absolutely excellent not a huge surprise there considering what he has done before and so i thought mcdaniels did it he did a nice job with what they asked him to do yeah and again the biggest thing has been uh what he's done defensively so while 
there's just not much to change on McDaniels. You know, he hit some shots. He ran the floor. I mean, that was well over 50% of his offense. Only had seven pick and roll ball handler possessions. He's not really athletic enough to get to the basket in those situations. He played played four games. Uh, ISO, he had four of those. He didn't score either. So if you're counting at home, that's four points on 11 self-generated possessions. And that's fine. You know, he doesn't really have elite burst off the dribble or elite finishing uh, around the rim where he was only okay in summer league but you know playing hard running the floor hitting shots uh, and defending with versatility uh, is going to be his calling card uh, in the future and so instead the guy that had the keys a lot of the time for the wolves was Jalen noel he was their uh, second round pick in 2019 out of university of washington and the the, the i mean noel 33 percent usage 16 percent assist percentage and was very was very productive i mean it was creating good looks for himself and others out of the pick and roll a full point per possession in those pick and roll ball handling also had like three assists per game um and four turnovers so the turnovers are definitely concerned so like i don't I, I don't necessarily know. I think this was definitely good for Noel to, to be able to do that, and especially with more limited teammates than some other teams to be able to make it work. But I didn't, when I watched him, I didn't go, oh, this is definitely going to work in the NBA, though I did see more positive from Noel than I did for him last year. Yeah, where he didn't play a, a ton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he showed a little bit two years ago. He's yeah, kind of a combo guard size guy, was able to get to the rim more in pick and roll. Uh, whether for a floater or for a layup uh, part of the reason his stats are so good out of pick and roll is just uh, hitting uh, getting a little hot uh, from the outside uh, more so than it could be expected to be repeated so uh, noel showed that he could create some shots uh, and at least you know, made him efficiently in this four game sample uh, but nothing earth shaking there either so let us talk about the new orleans pelicans who had quite a few guys starting with a, a guy who i thought really impressed and that was number 17 overall pick Trey Murphy out of Virginia. Yeah, and Trey, somebody who like, we we had heard we had heard a fair amount coming out of UVA. Uh, he's 21 already because he played three years at Virginia, and the jump shot was was always the kind of like the thing the thing to know about Trey, and it it definitely went in in summer league. 6.2 per game, made 44 percent of those, but it was also like I liked the rest of his game too. I thought that he um so I I wasn't there. His best game was I think it was the first or second he played in summer league where Trey hit six threes. Um, but his jumper looked smooth. He had a floater that I liked. And something else with, with Murphy is that I, I brought this up a little bit with Moses Moody back when we did the Warriors is that it's important for these guys that are going to be in a kind of a smaller role offensively. You know, it's an important one, but smaller one to consistently try on defense. And I thought when I watched Trey, he was really doing that. And I thought that that was very, a very positive thing for him potentially stepping in on the Pelicans more quickly. Yeah, I think so. And they really, they need that. They need that 3 and D style play. They got Zion. They got Devontae Graham. Uh, they've got Brandon Ingram. They got, they're going to uh, have Kyra Lewis, who we'll talk about in a second. Like they got plenty of guys to create shots and they need guys who can defend and finish plays. And whether it was running the floor in transition, where he was outstanding, whether it was hitting shots uh, from three, only 18% usage, but never turned it over, it passed it a, a little bit, had a 30 PER which is a small sample. It's not going to continue to shoot it this well, but was able to generate maybe more three-pointers than you might think as well. Look comfortable a, a step behind the line. You know, still in pick and roll, they, they gave him a few possessions there, mostly just on broken plays that didn't look like it was going to be amazing. 
As a driver off of spot ups, I thought it was only okay because he's really more of a two foot finisher. Doesn't have like a great finishing package. He's not the strongest guy to go through guys and finish. Uh, but yeah, I mean, highly successful summer league for Trey Murphy and you know not quite the same type of player as Mikhail Bridges, but uh, certainly in terms of just the style of pick that he is, the body type. Uh, I think somewhat evocative of the ways that Bridges will be affected. You know, he's not that type of shark defensively. Um, but you know, I, I, I we'll see. Obviously, he could get into an NBA game and get lit up defensively, and not be able to hit a shot. But certainly, everything that you would hope for from him if you're a Pelicans fan. Yeah, and the next most important Pelican was Kyra Lewis, his first summer league because he was the 13th pick in 2020. And I was there for one of Lewis's more productive performances where his his uh, he had two catch-and-shoot threes and had a good-looking pull-up. The overall efficiency numbers were great for him, below 30% from three on three-and-a-half per game and basically 41% from the field. But I thought that Lewis did a couple things that I liked. One, I thought he competed on defense. I thought he got into, got into the passing lanes, which you like, especially for kind of for a a point guard who isn't going to be necessarily the greatest point of attack you know like I, I think Lewis can do some of it but to be to be aggressive to be feisty there was good and I thought he was you know looking for teammates trying to make things happen as a passer and so I, the other thing for me that was interesting because it, it's such an unusual dynamic because we not only got to see we missed summer league for these second year guys their first year but also we didn't get to see them as they you know make their rounds in the league is I I thought Lewis was going to be faster in person than he was. Like not to an insane degree, but I thought he was going to be like one of those like oh god, he's just like a you know you see the you see the like the the lines behind him wasn't quite that level at least when I saw him in summer league. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to, to say. I had that same observation. It's interesting that, that you said that uh, because, you know, a lot of people said even, you know, like Andrew Lopez uh, on ESPN when he's watching the Pels will tweet about, oh, you know, how fast he is in transition. And yeah, you know, he'll push the ball, like, but he's not, you know, just like, oh my God, we got to get back. This guy is just pushing it down our throat. You know, you were not talking De'Aaron Fox. We're probably not even talking like Ish Smith here, honestly. Um, And he's not even probably as relentless as say TJ McConnell either, you know, yeah it's, it's certainly a strength of his to, to push it in transition but it's nothing particularly breathtaking and the selling point on lewis that got him drafted 13th overall was ability to shoot the ball off the drill maybe even as a spot up guy and he, as you mentioned you know, he had a couple of plays not just spot ups but even like catch and shoots off of screens that looked decent uh and that he could get to the basket some with his speed and you know wouldn't be an unbelievable finisher or passer but it would be solid enough in all these areas where you know it could work for him as a creator and the pick and roll stats were not pretty uh was not able to get to the basket with much effectiveness some of this is obviously skewed by the fact that his jumper didn't go in that much i'm not going to draw conclusions from that necessarily in summer league but this was not uh, for a guy coming in already having played a year they didn't re-sign lonzo ball yes they brought in Devonte graham it, it didn't look like kyra lewis was going to be pushing Devonte graham for that starting job based to, at least on this performance right like that's why this was a disappointing summer league for me for kyra lewis is that the pelicans david griffin let some guys go basically created an opportunity and if lewis had been dominant would have been like okay they're in good hands because the pelicans want to win this year like this is, is not a put your foot on the put your foot on the brakes let a couple guys go get a good draft pick that, that's not what they're intending at all now their pick is lottery projected and we'll see how that works out but that's not what they're intending they're 
intending to give away a non-lottery pick. And that, you know, that puts more on, on Devontae Graham. And, and this wasn't necessarily the best ecosystem for Kyra Lewis. But yeah, I, 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 he had a higher threshold because of the circumstances surrounding him. And that's not really his fault. But I, w- I wanted to see that and didn't quite get there. Yeah. The, well, and you're, in- you're hoping that a guy you drafted number 13 in his second year is going to start to look like he might be on the path to being a starter. Right, and we saw some other players in that 2020 first round that looked that 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 were more dominant than Kyra Lewis was. So that's a data point that they have in their favor that he doesn't. And the other recent pick that the Pels had was Herb Jones. And Herb Jones, I was a little bit familiar with because he played with Kyra Lewis at Alabama. And so I remembered him and, and Petty, who I don't know if Petty was on a summer team. I didn't really see him. Um, but the, those guys all played together. And with Herb Jones, he he passes the eye test almost immediately because he's like 6'8", built pretty strong. But the, there are two weaknesses of, of Herb Jones. One is that he doesn't he doesn't really shoot the ball well, and the other one is that he's he passes the eye test more than he passes the a- applied athleticism test. I guess is the way to put it. Like he's he's bigger, but he doesn't move super well. Yeah, I didn't see him as like particularly explosive. You know, he only got up two three point attempts in five games and and only. 31 shots overall so he wasn't really a featured part of the offense he did average over a block and a steal per game in basically 20 minutes of action so that that was interesting you know we get a chance to lock in on his defense a little bit more maybe during preseason uh, that'll be something to watch but yeah at his size he's going to need to shoot the three he looked okay putting the ball on the floor and driving but Considering he only took two threes, shooting under 50% from the field, it was a little bit disappointing. Uh, Didi Lozada, the big question for him has always been his jump shot, and that just didn't look good at all. In this summer league, you know, he's he's an athletic guy, likes to get out in transition, plays hard, uh, defends with energy, but at his size, you know, just a two-guard size, basically, does have a good frame, has some athleticism, but doesn't really have anything to do uh, on offense uh, unless he's going to be able to at least hit spot ups uh, and that unfortunately does not appear to be coming along no i mean didi was two of 13 on catch and shoots and only took three shots off the dribble and he played he played 100 minutes in summer league so the the volume there is is concerning and the success rate is obviously concerning as well one player who was who explored a whole lot of the studio space for the Pelican Summer League team was Najee Marshall. And Najee, his intensity, like defensively, like that was that was a big part for me of why I really liked him last year on the Pels. And he he stood out on a team that needed that kind of that needed that oomph. And he ended up being a much larger part of their offense in Summer League. He was he had a usage rate of fifty percent and also had was their leading he, Wait, he wasn't five, their leading zero, assist. Five zero percent? No, um no his usage rate was 25 percent oh okay there we go so 25 percent but then he also had uh 28 assist percentage he had so he basically was he was very high volume when not when marshall was out there and that worked i mean his three his three ball looked looked all right he wasn't taking a ton of them when you think about how much the ball was in marshall's hands um wasn't really making his twos wasn't getting so i i thought he was fine i didn't i i thought that for him export like doing all that extra on ball work didn't really change it didn't make me think oh he should be doing that all the time in pros but it did make me appreciate oh well he does these other things well yeah it, it, it had some success 
as a passer statistically yeah. got on the defensive glass like he plays hard he's yes. got a strong body you know he's not really an elite athlete but you hope that maybe that kind of west matthews sort of style of defense could earn him a role uh but the three-point shot is going to be big for him again for a team with Zion williamson and brandon ingram and all these other guys yeah it was great that he did some pick and roll but he's not gonna be as good as it is those guys so uh you know maybe he'll do it on the backside every once in a while but it's mostly gonna be a novelty for him and then the the pelicans had two they both of their two-way guys dalton holmes and jose alvarado were on their summer league team but both of them had pretty small roles because the pelicans had a lot of other mouths to feed so i didn't have any real thoughts on them because they were only playing in small small spurts man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us let's talk about the sixers now and tyrese maxi had one of the better summer leagues really of anyone and where it really began for him was that his jump shot looks to be coming along it's still a little flat it's still kind of a little bit of a push shot with the low release but he was very active taking them he even had a, a step back as well that opened up some more of his pick and roll game he got guys leaning the wrong way and was able to explode the basket looked pretty good as a finisher uh, uh, as well the passing will be the next step for him that w- was not as good like at one point a, a guy tried to slip out of a, a screen to the rim i can't remember who the big was but you know tyrese maxi just about took his head off with a pass and it sailed <laughs> out of bounds um so that's he didn't look as good to me as a passer but you know baby steps here and i shouldn't even say baby steps like real steps and for him to be able to look confident shooting the ball 
from three and also getting to the basket and finishing and you know was able to score quite a bit so very successful summer league for him as he kind of looks to be the main guy off the bench as a scorer and maybe even potentially someone who could close some games for them as you know as they desperately look for that primary pick and roll threat on this team yeah and the overall efficiency numbers for maxi were striking 36 per 61 percent true shooting on 33 percent usage also had a big role in the passing and you, you brought that efficiency is even more impressive when you consider that Tyrese Maxey did not he did not make a catch and shoot shot he only took two in all of summer league so somebody who is you know making those opportunities he only played in two games but um I, I thought Maxey looked very good out there he played with played with intensity and I, one of those games was when they just crushed the Mavericks if memory serves right like were they just uh yes yes <laughs> I, I'm glad that your memory from uh 30 minutes ago does does serve yes uh, but I wasn't sure because Maxey only played two games if that was one of the ones that he oh yeah 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 uh, he, he was oh, yeah, with Tyrell up, Terry. Uh, yeah yeah it, exactly so uh yeah great job for him paul reed played five games and uh, again was uh, one of the voted one of the top summer league players as he was uh in the g league and exceedingly reed, productive as always yeah i mean two blocks a game 2.6 steals a game in, in 29 minutes you know so that looks good like his he's got this short area quickness to make plays defensively you know i'm not he's still a little bit upright in his stance i'm not sure i love him as a switch defender necessarily and his jump shot like he'll make them on occasion uh you know didn't take too many he was mostly focused on being the center playing around the rim was voracious as an offensive rebounder and then you know put him back with a plum very efficient on those plays as well so you know could reed emerge into being a potential backup center option or you know on day is when Embiid sits and they start drumming they'll bring him in as the backup you know I, I think he deserves a chance to see what he can do at the nba level given how productive he, he's been at every other level yeah i wholeheartedly agree um i i wish i believed in the shot a little bit more because then you could potentially slide him down and, and feel more comfortable yeah. playing with the four but it, like it's pretty ugly yeah but reed and drummond let's say like you run into you run into some of the problems and the sixers depending on how you know i mean ben simmons is still on this roster like how they want to structure the rotations they're gonna you want as much spacing on the rest of that second unit because then guys like Maxi and however they want to run it will have will actually have the space to operate. So that's going to be a potential challenge. Um, Daryl Murray had a bunch of other interesting guys on this team. I think the the one that we would normally start on um, would be Jane Springer because the Tennessee product was their first round pick this year, 28th. But Maxi and and Reed were so productive. Springer played in in five games. Um, the jump shot was not falling for him, but he's still an an, an intriguing player um, defensively, and and some of his offensive aggressiveness on twos was was notable as well. Yeah, the thing about Springer, who's just kind of built like a tank. I mean, he's like 6'4", but he's pretty jacked and just really likes to attack it in transition work his way into the lane use his big body to create angles and go up around the rim off of two feet and not really a one-footed leaper and he barely shot threes at Tennessee and so you wonder like you know six four doesn't really shoot threes not necessarily profiling as a primary pick and roll threat so you know sometimes you see guys like like that who don't really kind of fit into a, a mold of, at least at this point in time and you're like man number one like why the hell did they draft this guy but then number two like man he must be really good at all the stuff that he does do to get by these flaws and, and there's a little bit of that from him like he's a tough guy rugged plays defense might be switchable 
comfortable with that big frame. It has a little bit of passing vision as well. Um, you know, was able actually to work off a pick and roll a little bit more than expected. Uh, although, you know, not exactly like operating there necessarily. He did shoot some jumpers off the dribble uh, from mostly on twos that looked okay. You know, you mentioned his three point rate is not particularly high. So I'm interested to see how he develops. Obviously, he's going to need to get a passable three point shot or he's just not going to be able to play. Certainly not on this team. Uh, but there's a little bit of clay there with his physical profile and just it's just hard-nosed style that makes you think there could be a little something there as does Gerald Morey's draft track record frankly yeah that that's a fair point as well um another interesting sixer was Isaiah Joe and not surprisingly for those of us who watched him in at, at other points uh, the jump shot is the is the key thing there Isaiah Joe played in four games for the Sixers and took 10 threes a game and made 38 percent of them which was totally totally insane a lot of that was in catch and shoot where Isaiah Joe maybe he, he just shoots the cover off the ball so that that looked good for him yeah I mean there's just a lot of versatility I mean that is a ton yeah. of threes per game and uh I mean he doesn't do anything else uh, offense he made a couple of decent passes but yeah. uh he couldn't score at all inside the arc no no he couldn't couldn't really score inside the arc i mean he he only took i believe three shots around the basket in all of summer league for a guy who was taking attempting 12 shots a game so like three of let's call it 48 um but yeah i mean i i, I like having you know he's a different type of guy has a versatile jump shot can can fit on the roster and so again like i, I brought this up with bell and Silent. i was like do i do i wonder where isaiah joe fits in a playoff rotation yes do i necessarily need to be concerned about that for isaiah joe eh, not really yeah, I mean he's also super thin, so you wonder he's a, he's a, a, calling him a one position defender might be charitable at this point in time. Uh, let's get to the Blazers now. They had a few other guys the Sixers did. I I just can't do them. Well, also, well, well the only other the only I, it's other been thing like, we should, like six hours of, of this this uh, potting got some really guys. The only there. other thing we should mention for them was the interesting decision that Maury made, where they had Rajon Tucker on their summer league team, and he was on a two way, but then they replaced. Tucker with Grant Riller, who was on the Hornets summer league team, and and Riller, you know, he's he's intrigued a lot over over the last couple of years as a you know as a potential creator. And Riller was, I I thought he he didn't really pop to me in summer league, but they did make that change, so I wanted to mention it. Yeah, some people were talking about how like, oh, if you were a fan of Grant Riller, like he's really showing up, but the, the overall statistical resume wasn't particularly outstanding, and so that's why I was kind of just ready to move on here to sure. Portland and Portland. You know, they had a bunch of old vets uh other team like moutier and michael beasley uh who is the third guy kenneth freed oh yeah wow uh kenneth freed who who made he's only 31 i thought he was i thought he was older than that because he spent so much time linking me think about i mean i was remembering in the early days of dunked on when he signed that invalid extension um which was which was so much so much fun well well he didn't sign it it was it was reported it was reported and it was and it it was was, invalid yeah yeah i mean that ended up really screwing him like that probably cost him 12 million bucks yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's move out here to the players who are more likely to spend time with them. Maybe it's one of those guys who gets signed. Um, C.J. Ellaby got a little bit of tick early in his career. Lefty. Where did he play? Washington State? One of those Pacific Northwest schools. Yeah, he was at Washington State. Nice, nice pull. Um, really struggled, though, uh, offensively here. Uh, and not a guy with a ton of athleticism. And, you know, I was getting a few notes from uh, where you'd flash every once in a while and, and getting some tweets from Portland fans on occasion. But, uh, you know, this this wasn't the most 
compelling argument that LB could make it on his own behalf. And that started somehow with one of the worst performances statistically in Synergy's transition category that I've ever seen. It, w- it was so bad I had to watch him. Um, so Oh, please, please regale us with every C- detail. CJLB, he had 22 transition possessions that produced 11 points. So, I mean, you think about all the advantages that are there, and part of that is because he turned the ball over nine times. and Nine times. Nine of 22. And there were a variety of them. One, like, one he kind of was dribbling, or he was catching kind of catching a pass in semi-transition and stepped out of bounds, had a couple of travels. But also it was when he was getting to the basket. A couple times he just got blocked or he biffed a layup. And so, yeah, the the film was bad. Like, it was it was, it was was not what I hoped. And then Ellaby didn't really make up for that in other ways. He was 2 of 16 overall in Summer League on catch-and-shoot shots. Better on pull-ups, surprisingly. Uh, 14 points on 13 there. So, yeah, I mean... I the the Blazers have they have this group of guys that they rely heavily on and so it's like okay can somebody like CJLB you and I both like Nasir Little who didn't play in summer league um so yeah LB LB didn't really pop for me Greg Brown popped in terms of some crazy ass dunks but how did you feel about him overall yeah Brown came out of Texas to another just like crazy athlete from this Texas team and Brown's going to need to be able to hit some spot up shots but you know he's able to cut beyond the defense get out in transition make plays on the offensive glass at times uh so just where is he going to stand in the half court uh he can maybe learn kind of what not to do from Derek Jones Jr. who will be as his teammate likely but a, a guy who just gives them some athleticism that they desperately need another guy to kind of throw in the hopper as a wing project for them with Jones Jr. and Nasir Little and now Braun as guys who just can defend their position hopefully and you know give them some more in transition and athleticism and so I thought it was a successful summer league for Braun within the, the limitations he has as a shooter but the and that's going to need to change and but unrealistic to expect that to take place overnight and he did you know he did do the things that he was advertised to do as far as like playing hard defensively and finding places to finish around the rim etc yeah absolutely uh i think we could jump to the san antonio spurs and we could start with their I would say surprising, you know, another guy that we didn't we didn't watch, but Josh Primo went higher than expected. Eight, 18 year old turns 19 in early, in around Christmas from from Mississauga, played at Alabama, and was, I, was Mississauga that, is in Canada, by the way. Yes, it is. For those, uh, I've Sorry. been to Mississauga actually. I have never been to showcase. Mississauga, but yeah. Um, but so we with with Primo, uh, we didn't watch film. He was like one of the earlier drafted guys that like we we didn't even like really think about watching film on because you thought it was going to go a little bit lower and that meant that it was kind of interesting to see where he was going to go in summer league and i think there were some positive signs even if the overall like the overall numbers weren't quite there you don't necessarily expect that from an 18 year old or sorry 19 year old 18 year old i'm gonna get it right at some point yeah so primo the thing that was a little odd for a guy who was that young and was you know quote unquote reached for i mean we'll see whether that's really true but that's what some people said was he's not like an unbelievable athlete what was impressive about him was some of the shots he was able to take from three off the dribble you know, on a crossover ducking behind a screen uh you know he also had a couple of nice finishes like he had a nice nash finish high off the glass that one-handed uh finish over the shot blocker so definitely flashed a little bit did primo it looks like he can be an adequate nba athlete if not you know really any kind of a dominating one and 
the overall stat line was not amazing he did a ton in pick and roll and i'm not sure whether that's just because the spurs team didn't have that many other guys you know but trey jones was also playing really well for them who who we'll talk about in a second as an attacker as well like uh cj ellaby he was atrocious in transition i think a lot of that was just a missing three-pointers but yeah i mean this is 49 percent of his possessions came in pick and roll uh and he was 11 out of 26 had a bunch of turnovers so it, it seems like maybe the spurs drafted him there because they believe that he could be something uh, as a, a pick and roll player and he showed the ability to get to the basket a little bit more out of pick and roll uh, than maybe uh, people might have expected he was actually pretty effective uh, as a jump shooter off the pick and roll again there's only 12 possessions so let's not go crazy but you know i thought primo looked like he, he could be solid you know is he did he flash superstar upside to me no i i wouldn't say that but it, and it is kind of interesting where he doesn't really have the typical look of a guy who's going to be a big on ball scorer necessarily even though they asked him to do that role so it's, it's somewhat of an interesting summer league for the 18 year old and Devin Vassell their lottery pick last year um he only played in two games didn't and didn't even play a ton in that time um not surprisingly for a second year guy they put the ball in Vassell's hands a little bit more that part of it I don't think went particularly well you know doesn't doesn't really get to great spots off the dribble but I thought his catch and shoot stuff looked totally fine and you know tried tried in yep. transition he, when he, he did play there. four games overall uh because they were also yeah because it was the that, split that's right that in that split. utah summer yeah. league apologies um, i'd forgotten about that yeah so that's part of why he only played two in vegas and, and another guy who did a ton of pick and roll stuff and, and wasn't very uh, effective at it uh you know he was only seven out of 22 and Vassell, another guy the Spurs seem to like these guys who can uh, get to long twos. And Vassell on his pick and rolls just didn't get to the basket at all. A lot of it was just pulling up for long twos. Um, So I I wouldn't, I think for Vassell shooting threes and defending is going to be his calling card. I don't necessarily see much more for him. Not to say he was a bad pick at 11. You know, if he turns out to be a starting level of player with his defense and shooting, that's totally good there at 11. But not a particularly enthralling summer league uh but i think you can say the opposite of trey jones yeah i I was very impressed by trey jones um 41st pick in 2020 i i've continued to be a fan of his brother tyus who has made his way as a backup point guard and yeah i think i i think i'm out there yeah i'm still i still think he's a capable backup guard but but trey to his to his own credit i thought i thought he was very impressive in all all of his summer league minutes and was creating you know playing with intensity trying to trying to create looks for himself and others and I thought it, it it just worked overall. I thought that he did some nice passing and pick and roll, was more aggressive getting shots for himself. Those didn't always fall, but I thought he did well. And then he, he at times he pushed in transition too. Yeah, he had almost nothing in catch and shoot. His jumpers off the dribble were terrible, five out of 21. Like that, that was the big problem with him. But when you give him the ball and in a summer league setting with his physical abilities, you know, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, pretty strong now at this point in time and just a very aggressive downhill driver. He's able to get on top of the rim, knock guys back, has some very impressive finishes and great yet another spur who can't shoot and plays point guard they, they, they've got a million of these guys now 
Uh, but at least he was able to get to the basket, which some of these other guys weren't able to do as much. And then also, he's a, a very rugged defender as well. And you mentioned that he showed more as a passer than we really had had a chance to see from him in what very limited film uh, we'd seen from him at, at the NBA level. So it is an a, a exciting summer league for Trey Jones. And, and whenever a guy can work and pick and roll as he did and can actually get to the basket and finish, uh, like that part of his game uh, looked pretty good. So, so that's interesting. But I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. He's going to need to improve his jump. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What did you think about about Joe Wieskamp, who uh, after summer league signed a two way with the Spurs? He was the forty first pick, like Tyus Jones was, but he was twenty first or forty first in twenty one. Yeah, the interesting thing about Wieskamp is his size. 6'11 wingspan, a full 6'7 in shoes, 8'7 standing reach. So bigger than that typical shooter guy. Um, As we always say with, with these sorts of players, the, the ball's going to have to go in for him. You know, and you know there are some who are like, "Hey, is Corey Kispert even uh, better than Joe Guiscamp?" And I, yeah, that might be fair to say. We'll talk about Kispert in a, in a second. It, too early to say. And really, again, who, who shoots the ball better among those guys is going to be a, a question. Guiscamp worked almost exclusively off the ball, as you might expect with him. Uh, went back door uh, quite a bit. It was uh, solid as a cutter, which uh, I thought looked good. That anybody who can shoot and also cut, and he's got the size uh, to finish a little bit at the room uh, as well did you have anything that you wanted to share on him not particularly i i'm interested you you brought up the the size like i mean when you think about these late or like mid second round picks that are drafted for shooting you think they're going to be like six four six five but no he's much he's much bigger than that and on a two-way see if it works get i mean i think of two ways as being very advantageous for the team very disadvantageous for the player so if he works then you get match rights and it's very hard to do anything and if it doesn't then it costs you basically nothing yeah no he didn't shoot it amazingly well and he wasn't at like isaiah joe levels of just jacking up shots but the spurs also don't really want guys to do that so oh and sorry while we're on the spurs uh, a note that from 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 keith smith originally that jock landale who did not play in summer league for them he got a fully guaranteed at the minimum first year so he's the 15th as i have it guaranteed player for san antonio and a non-guaranteed second year all right, we got two teams left here, and this will be a big one. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, the last top 10 pick that we've yet to discuss, uh, and that was Scotty Barnes. What did you think of him? So I, I think that Barnes, he he brought a fair amount, I would say, of the positives that that people liked. Some people liked them more than we did. He played he played with intensity. He looked capable defensively. Um, he didn't have the ball in his hands as much. Like that was just something that the Raptors the Raptors didn't really do. They had other players like Malachi Flynn who filled that role for them. Um, though he did pass, I thought he passed it reasonably well. But my concerns about Scotty Barnes were that I didn't that I didn't believe in his jump shot and that I didn't think he was this insane like nuclear level athlete and I think we saw both of those limitations in summer league. Yeah, he did have more blocks uh, than he should. He had eight blocks, which was uh, interesting to see. You know, he, yeah. he was used more on the perimeter uh, in Florida State. You know, they even had him at a playing more conventional pick and roll defense uh, at times. Though they also had him switching. I didn't think he was that impressive as a switch defender, keeping guys in front. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought he got beat a few times. Uh, he's going to have to learn to use his length to contain a little bit more. Perhaps he likes to pressure up, and he would get blown by. 
he didn't turn it over very much, which I thought was good. You mentioned, though, that they didn't use him as ball handler that much. In his last game, he started getting some of those passes uh, and drives. The shooting, he was 3 for 11 from 3 in his four games. And it took a couple off the dribble. You know, he hit one and, and uh, got to talk his shit. Boy, does he love to talk shit whenever he hits a shot. Uh, he he and uh, and Draymond, uh, Draymond and Luca Garza, uh, although Garza actually shoots well, uh, Scotty Barnes and Draymond do not. But uh, I don't know what it is about guys. Barnes has been kind of compared to Draymond a little bit, but uh, about guys who can't shoot that like when you make it, you're going to talk all this shit. Maybe just so like the other team starts guarding you and you don't have to shoot anymore. Um, but he was certainly more aggressive shooting it than we saw on film at florida state uh shot 41 percent from the field i didn't like all that he did as a finisher he got to the line a little bit uh he flashed like a little bit of a kind of post-up turnaround from the free throw line and in which i hadn't really seen on the film i liked his floater game okay as well and he was good as a rebounder um you know he showed a little bit more quick pop athletically you know like not getting up that high but getting off the ground quickly for dunks around the basket you know not a skywalker still and you know not a guy who's going to dunk on people but at least can like get off the ground a little quicker uh and, and it does, did seem like he's uh, improved his athleticism so, and so i would say i feel marginally better about Barnes after this summer league but also nothing that really totally changed how, how i feel about him and obviously this is at the very beginning of his development process uh, and the raptors feel that uh they can help him make some big strides right and it's going to need to be a a longer process in terms like, because the question with Barnes is can he shoot and it's going to take time for that to develop or or not develop and the next highest profile Raptor in my eyes was Malachi Flynn, mostly because Precious Chua, we have a better idea of what he is. We'll talk about him plenty. But for Malachi Flynn, he he played a lot in that kind of the, the tail end of the Raptors season. And to me, Flynn, and I remember this back from the, like the first time I saw him, like he seemed, he, he doesn't pop for me athletically. He seems like a blue average athlete. Yeah. And so then yeah. looks a little small out there too. Yes. So that means that you need to be a, either a really good shooter, a really good passer or both. And Flynn shot 32% on 170 threes last year in the NBA, played a lot more in the NBA than the, like a little spurt in the G league bubble. And the shot definitely went in, in the small sample size of summer league, um, 41% on threes taking 7.2 per game. And he had some nice passes too. Um, he got, got a couple of shots around, got a couple of shots around the basket. So I I still am very skeptical. Like for me with Malachi Flynn, it's basically the the idea that the realistic best case, not the exclusive like 90th, 95th percentile outcome, is that he's a good backup point guard. And for me, that's that's not the type of thing that I go gaga over for with a first round pick. This kind of comes up yeah. with Peyton Pritchard uh, as well. 29th overall, you know. Yes. Yeah. So it's so like I felt fine about Malachi Flynn. I didn't, and this was and this was one of his better performances. So I, I'm fine with him. Yeah, if he could be a continue to be good as a shooter, you mentioned he took a, over seven a game and you know, three assists a game. He's not a great passer you know i'm not sure how good inside once he gets inside the arc how effective he's going to be in pick and roll uh but it didn't help that his assist total that guys just shot really poorly off the yes. passes that he did make out of pick and roll so he's a little bit better i think as a passer than those 12 assists in four games would indicate so it seems like he's on an okay trajectory i mean not someone who blew up or anything like that but uh 
I'll be interested to see him. Mean, he's going to have some chances to play this year. Another guy who will presumably have chances to play this year is Preston Shua, 20th pick in 2020, made by the Miami Heat. He joined the Raptors a little bit late because the trade had to be consummated and because of the compressed timeline of this NBA year. That took that took a bit, but he still played about 75 minutes over three games. And for Chua, the question is has long been like, can he? What kind of defensive player is he? Is he more? Can he be a rim protector? Is he more switchy? And I I think that especially going to the Raptors, like the hope is that he can be more on the switchy big side of that coin. And I would say there was some good film there. Not it wasn't like ludicrous, like oh he could defend anybody right now. But I did, I did like some of what I saw. Yeah, it'll get some big blocks on occasion. Yes, as well. We haven't seen anything develop for him as a shooter, which was a thought that maybe he could shoot more from the outside. I mean, and it's been interesting to watch his evolution where when we saw him at the Hoop Summit in, when would that have been? That would have been 2019. I think that was 19. Yeah, you know, he was really playing as more of like a combo forward. I think he's grown a little bit since then, certainly gotten stronger where he looks, he's a little undersized for center, but with his athleticism, it seems like it's going to work for him that that's his position now. Uh, And, you know, he liked to take a lot of jumpers off the dribble. It was, you know, an okay shooter from three. So you thought that maybe given that pedigree that things would evolve for him more on the offensive end than being just a dunker. That's all he's been asked to do so far. Really all he was asked to do in the summer league performance, you know, it was really pick and roll, roll man and getting out in transition uh, where he wasn't, you know, that efficient. You'd hope that he could be a little bit better of a finisher, uh, particularly on non-dunks around the rim. You'd like to see him work on his touch a, a little bit. Who else do we have to talk about? Well, I want to say one other oh, thing with Achua. Um, so we're getting to the point now where I'm where I'm more concerned about his free throw shooting. Achua mm. got to the line, got to the line reasonably well. I mean, seven, six attempts in 26 minutes. Like, I mean, summer league, so guys are hacking like crazy. But he shot 35% on free throws in summer league, shot 60% in his one year at Memphis. And, you know, he only, Achua only played 700 minutes last year, but he was 51% from the free throw line. And so we're, you know, guys can improve on that from their early 20s to their mid 20s. But he's, he's in that range now where it's making me feel queasy. Yeah, I have a friend who's a doctor and we always go skiing together. And, you know, as I'm lamenting to him about like my latest sorry injury or tendonitis or something from skiing, he'll he'll, he'll just be like, hmm. That's that. That's what I'm going to do now. When you you mentioned something concerning about a player, just yeah, you know, a, a little bit of empathy. But you know, he's a bad free throw shooter. Mm. Yes, that is that is indeed concerning. Uh, but, Delano Delano yeah. Banton was somebody that I I enjoyed watching in person. I I actually watched a fair amount of the Raptors because of Scotty Barnes, of course. And 46th pick plays with intensity and athleticism. He was all around the floor, especially in that game, that really fun game that they had, or really fun, fun game they had against the the Rockets. Um, had some defensive plays, had some finishes. The overall efficiency numbers were far from great. I mean, he ended up with 37% true shooting on 23 usage, but there were some building blocks here, and Banton is still, he's he's 21. I guess I, guess, I was going to say he's still young because he kind of looks a little bit young, but no, he's not. He turns 22, before, he tur- this will be his age 22 rookie year out of Nebraska. Yeah, what's his game like? Well, so I, I thought that for me, it was more on the defensive end. Like he was bouncing around different assignments, had a couple of opportunities blocks 
which I I always appreciate and was was aggressive and and passing lanes had a I had a couple on ball steals as well, and then I didn't really get a feel for like what his for what his offensive game is. It seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of offensive game there. I got a couple of like opportunistic yeah. but drives. He, like he handles it, he's huge and he handles it outside some, right? Yeah, yeah, he handles it outside. They gave him they gave him the keys a little bit in pick and roll. Um, actually more than a little bit. It was a little bit in the game I saw. I think he got it a little bit more later in the Raptors in the Raptors summer league time ended up with 42 pick and roll possessions um so but i i wonder about his the pull-up shot didn't really look good to me it was more driving to pass and that can work but i don't think it's i don't think that's going to be something he does at the nba level at least not yeah. for a while yeah just the physical profile is interesting six nine not over a nine foot standing reach and a six ten wingspan as someone who's handling the ball and pick and roll is kind of interesting and, and obviously defense is gonna be a conquer i mean clearly uh, you know i mean sort of like kind of poor man scotty barnes in some ways uh i mean they definitely have loaded up on a lot of guys uh, of this ilk isaac bonga is now on this team also and the, the raptors they have this unusual dynamic where they have um so they only have 11 guaranteed guys as of now but then they have i think it's five partial guarantees at varying levels and um and then they have two non two two-way guys both of whom were on their summer league team um i would say the most interesting to me of the other guys that participated was freddie gillespie um gillespie was on the raptors last year had a couple of really fun blocks still you know wonder what his game is offensively but he brought energy as a, as a rebounder brought energy as a, like an opportunistic shot blocker and he's six nine i think even more as a as a four played at baylor and so he he was interesting um well uh i, I mean i i thought he had some nice rim protection plays holy shit this guy could not finish no at all he was four of 16 around the room this guy's a center yeah yeah and and he didn't get that many offensive rebounds off his own misses but he had a lot of misses that's true <laughs> all right that's enough of the raptors uh, let's get yeah. to finish things out here with the whiz we'll just talk about two guys here uh, Corey kispert and isaiah todd let's start with kispert and he tried i think to really expand the type of shots that he is taking from three versus where he was in college where you know he would take some shots off of movement but a lot of it was in transition like it wasn't the sort of you know duncan robinson type of stuff so he tried to add that stuff but he's got this low release that's kind of out in front of his body and it seems like with his shot form he's very reliant on getting his momentum moving towards the basket he also shoots it like kind of symmetrically you know he doesn't really have like one part of his body you know the right side of his body more in front and so when he's moving he kind of if he's off balance you know he can't kind of do like that kick out with the leg like someone like duncan robinson would a little bit if he's moving to his right a right-handed shooter uh you know he, he tries to do it it just did not look very comfortable for him it looks like he's trying to speed up his release but he had some bad misses when he was doing that so uh also only had two assists but i did like his decisiveness as a driver when those opportunities presented themselves he didn't finish i think as well as he would have wanted to but you know some of those where he was getting pretty good looks it just didn't go in for him I and mean, that's gonzaga disease because the same thing seems to happen to jalen suggs he, he was but he was a, efficient as a cutter and finisher in college i think that'll get there you know he'll probably get compared some to doug mcdermott i'd say he's more athletic stronger than doug mcdermott uh still is a little slow afoot defensively vulnerable to changes of direction but i i think he can be adequate there you know i don't think he's just uh, i mean he may have a target due to the uh shall we say type of player that he is 
Uh, but he he doesn't suck. He's not as bad as like Doug McDermott was when he came to the league. Um, no, I mean, Kis- yeah. Kispert's not. A, he's not really to me a defensive playmaker. Like I don't think he's going to be. He can make some opportunistic stuff in passing lanes. I think he understands what's going on, but I don't think of him in that respect. But yeah, I think he's more stable defensively than McDermott. And for Kispert, this to me like it was a reminder that while I'm not freaked out about you know super freaked out about a shot, I think your points are very well taken in terms of like the the point his release and they're trying to speed yeah. it up he, and everything. He's going to hit when he's when he's open on spot ups, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's not that's not why you draft a guy fifteenth who doesn't really have any other standout skills. To exactly, just stand there and make open shots. Yeah, but so like so the volume. I was thinking about this when I was you know because Kispert he shot. 29% on six threes per game. If you want the, the full numbers on it, seven to 24 overall, which isn't great. He has one of the larger volumes of like pre NBA. I mean, we're talking about draft picks, not like guys who played in Europe for 20 years. Um, Cause he, he took 662 threes at Gonzaga and made 41% of them like that. That's very good. But he is, as you said, like the NBA is a very different thing. And, and he, you know, like I ended up seeing a fair amount of his film watching Suggs and a few other, like, and just watching, Gonzaga because they were the they were the best team a lot of last year and the problem is that I don't see a lot of like kind of, kind of connective tissue in it. and and Kispert can improve like you know he I think he as I said he understands what's going on out there but he is already 22 this will be his age 22 season and not really a defensive playmaker so you need that plus skill to be plus plus and then also move everything else up to the it's not going to kill you phase and it's possible with Kispert but that's why he was overdrafted. Yeah, and then Isaiah Todd did show, as we saw some flashes of in the G League when we were watching other players, show better than advertised feet defensively. You know, I mm-hmm. think it, the, he did show some switchability if he's going to play the four, and you do need to have that. He's not a five, uh, for sure. You know, he just doesn't have that type of size uh, and pop. Unfortunately, he shot it extremely poorly, uh, operated almost uh, exclusively behind the three-point line where he was only five out of 21. Remember also, both with respect to Kispert and Todd, that the Wizards summer league team got really messed up by covid right at the start yes. as well and it had to have a game postponed so their practice time was no good and at least todd was able to get up seven threes a game and he did that in only 24 minutes a game played only three games of course due to that so didn't really do much else in the g league they ran some post-ups for him where he's able to you know shoot some dirk fades out of the post and stuff like that that wasn't really featured at all so the one thing that that I could say I really learned about Todd was that he does have some ability to move his feet defensively and hopefully y'all learned more than one thing about everyone who played in summer league hopefully we got to everyone that is really important I mean I think we get to pretty much everyone who was drafted this year and obviously every first round pick everyone who was a first round pick last year as well anyone who has any clear path to rotation minutes uh, and this is always one of the most fun things to do for us it's uh rather exhausting doing it while traveling through europe this year but uh it needs to get done that's what, what you guys pay us for so always fun to bring this one to you and i'm not even sure exactly when this is going to drop or what our next podcast is going to be but thanks so much for being a subscriber and we'll talk to you all soon reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.